We're continuing down our path of uh, midlife crisis. We're talking about The Swimmer. Today, we're going to talk about Burt Lancaster. We're going to talk about uh, just going through it. The people path, going the, through it. The I path guess. is filled with rich people's backyard pools in yes. this case. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think we're going to probably be able to connect this to another movie we talked about early on in our uh, in our uh, a free podcast kingdom, our, is, our, our empire. Is that movie Nell? Yes, <laughs> it's Nell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shh. Listeners, welcome to a new episode of the Midnight Boys Present, a free podcast. I'm your co-host, Rob, and joined, as always, by my suburban studs, Joe and Duff. <laughs> uh, I put on my tight little trunks, and oh. I'm ready to take the weirdest walk ever. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, here's to sugar on the strawberries. Sugar on the strawberries. There you go. Yeah, that could sit a few times this movie. We are talking about the 1968 movie, The Swimmer. You may be saying, I've never heard of this movie, and I, until a few years ago, also had never heard of it. I had not heard of it until you put it on the list. Yes. This, this was a foreign movie to me. And, well, can we at least, whatever we may think about the movie, can we agree it, it does deal with this uh, seasoned subject quite well? Or at least it is about this seasoned subject? I mean, it's... A dude is going through it. Yep, <laughs> and yes. and some and some of the people we meet that some of the the older people he meets are also going through it. Maybe. Also, I was thinking we'll get into the plot synopsis soon uh, through our midlife crisis here. But like, Burt Lancaster spends the entire movie either wearing swimming trunks or not wearing anything, and I was wondering, is that the least amount of clothes hmm. a major star has ever worn in a Hollywood movie through the entire thing. Yeah, I mean, even it, Tom Hanks gets to wear his FedEx stuff for a pretty good chunk of Castaway. Yeah. yeah. It, even in Planet of the Apes, like, Charlton Heston starts off in a space suit. That's a really mm-hmm. good question. You know, outside of those documentaries you watch late at night, Rob, I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, late night doc. Yeah. Well, I gotta learn. Yeah. But yeah, uh, he... This must have been a movie that was not super fun to make for him. Because he were probably always cold. Well, he has said that this is his favorite film of his career. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's like an, a sneaky little '60s classic. Personally, after watching, it, I thought it was really good. I'm uh, glad you. But it was, it was, uh, yeah, quite odd, but like I think in an approachable way. Yeah, if that makes I would, sense. I, I, I also think what's approachable about it, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into this plot synopsis. But at first, it just starts off like this. Is a rich guy. He's gonna go swim in pools, and then it's just over the ninety minutes. It slowly breaks down into it, your life. He's just oh, a boy. stranger. It's like, oh, our old pal Ned's back, and he's yep. in our pool. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's also about just how, just what an ace in the hole it is to have just a guy who's both or a person who is both a movie star and a great performer together, and they can do a lot of heavy lifting for a movie that otherwise might not work. Yeah. This yeah. this yeah this is something where if you don't have that that lead locked in boy boy and also we'll I will get to it but Burt Lancaster's body is something else for a fifty two year old yeah he's he's a beefcake in this 
Um, okay, let's get into the let's get into the the plot synopsis. This movie it's very very simple plot synopsis. It is a um, based off a short story written by John Cheever, which if you Google you can find it. It's in New Yorker from 1964. It's very short. I mean, I just said it was a short story, but like you can sit down and read it and not a whole lot of time. And so this movie came out four years later. The short story is considered, I mean, it's considered outstanding. Um, and so this is a movie that kind of takes that 12-page short story and turns into a 95-minute movie. And what it is is we, you know, it's this beautiful, um, affluent suburb. And we see Burt Lancaster, middle-aged man. He's wearing his bathing suit. And uh, he stops by some neighbor's place. There's a pool party. He's talking to him. And he decides, you know what? There's enough pools in the neighborhood that I could, like, pool. I could swim back home. And that is the movie. He is just going from pool to pool, neighbor to neighbor, as he makes his way around and back home. And a lot happens as he goes from neighbor to neighbor. Um, And... This is kind of where the movie kicks in. Everything, like, it becomes, like, at first it's like, oh, he's just going to go in this pool and he'll be home later that day. And that's what he thinks. But as the movie unfolds, you sort of realize this is happening over a long time, like over many years, I guess, in some ways. I, we don't know. It, there's, yeah. there's a lot in this that's open it, to interpretation. I mean, like, on a, on a literal level, it's one day. Yes. But, because like, it, it's... It's nighttime when he gets to his home. His home. It, but it it really is more like a almost like kind of like a classical like like a Greek yes the myth Odyssey. or something right and and it it it, it 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 there's hints that it isn't really rooted in reality, but these hints become more and more overt, and then obviously yes by the end. Um, it, it's uh, it's almost like he's going through some kind of like purgatory of so, in some way. Yeah, mm-hmm. at each house, he volunteers a little more info about his life and family, and usually it's met with either confusion or they think he's joking with them. Like he keeps mentioning his daughters, mm-hmm. uh, his wife. Yeah, it seems like he's been away for years and years, but we don't really know, and he doesn't know. Right. Yeah, that is sort of how it feels. But yeah, I mean, essentially, he goes through, and at first, people were kind of friendly to him the first few houses, and then he meets a woman, and he asks about her husband, and we find out that he's, you know, sick and passed away, and he never visited, and then, you know, he meets an old babysitter who's now grown up. That's the only, well, there's, that's the only sequence in the movie I feel like doesn't really work at all. Um, when he's jumping around in the equestrian little horse thing. Yeah, there are some weird shots of horses in the very <laughs> beginning. Uh, but I, I I read that as like, like in his mind, like it's a, like a fantasy, right? And like, right. So in his mind, he, she's twenty, and he's yeah. courting her like another twenty-year-old would do. Right, and I think it's just another sign of how detached he is from the reality of his own life. We also learn that he's an unreliable narrator when it comes to his family, um, and this is where the midlife crisis element really comes in. Is that we learn that his daughters are kind of screw ups, and he's bailed them out of uh, situations with the law, and that his wife is kind of a, a 
you know, snob and unkind to people. He's got a mistress who now is ignoring him. Yep. Um, he, you know, as he kind of moves farther along on these parties, he starts getting ignored more and more. He keeps being snubbed. Uh, when at first everyone is delighted to see him by the end, they're sort of um, the put first, off that he's there. The first party is in typical 60s upper crust way. Waspy. Uh, everyone... Yeah, waspy, and everyone just has martinis pre-made. It's like, oh, we have some pre-, pre. Here's a pitcher of martinis. Yeah, they all have like bar carts that are just right yep. there next to the pool, ready oh, to go. Oh man, it looks like the life. It where... sure does. Uh, and yeah, so then he eventually, all the while, also what's happening is his, you know, at the beginning, he's like jumping into the pool and he's swimming fast, and he's never uses a ladder. He just sort of like emerges out of the water and goes from one to one just an adonis coming out of the sea (laughs) yep and as the movie goes on he's getting tired he's getting hurt he's not jumping into the pool as much as like begrudgingly going into it he's uh he he needs the ladder to get out now um he has and then he suffers the ultimate indignity and then he has to go to the public pool Yes, after crossing a road, he has to go to a public pool uh, where he's the world's the world's most packed pool. There's like <laughs> there are maybe like three or four cups of water in that pool, and just <laughs> and the people just raise it up. It does not look like a good time. <laughs> it's like when you're boiling water and it's all the water starting to go away, and it's just whatever you're cooking left. Yeah, it's just, uh, and then he ends up going to his house. Yep, and we see when he gets to his house that it's abandoned. It looks like it's been abandoned for a long time. There's broken windows. All the stuff he talked about, the tennis court, all those things exist, but they're just totally abandoned. They're deserted. He can't open the door. He can't it looks even like the – what's the the mansion from Wuthering Heights? Like, oh, it looks yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It looks like that's what he's coming home to. Uh, so he – you know, it's raining. It's dark. The house is deserted. He can't get in the door, and the movie just ends with him, like, slumping. He's cold. The, he's cold. supposed to go inside slumping to the ground a broken beaten lonely empty man the end yep <laughs> it's a lot of fun <laughs> uh yeah it's i'm really glad we're i'm glad we're talking about this movie because i watched it in 2020 i looked and um and I watched it, and I was like, wow, that was really interesting. And I would like to have someone else watch that to talk to him about it. Because over 90 minutes, a lot happens. And the movie just sort of, like, unfolds in a way that, like we said, it starts with this, like, waspy pool party. And there's Adonis guy, and he's going to, you know, Adonis-looking guy, and he's going to swim around the pool. And look at these rich people. And at the end, he's just so broken. And uh, you're sort of like – it almost sneaks up on you as the viewer. when you're just all of a sudden like, oh, boy. <laughs> this all sort of – fell apart quite quickly yeah it it seems like the beginning of the movie is like his his like pure uncut like self image like how he he sees himself i guess okay and then as he encounters more people from his past who like gradually and increase the force upon which they inflict the actual truth of his life on him and so as as he goes from pool to pool and he gets weaker and weaker because there's that line in the beginning where he asks if a guy wants to go swimming and the dude's like oh i don't know man i'm kind of feeling my age and he's like oh he looks so much older than burt lancaster and he's apparently younger than him 
or they're like, the same age. I think yeah. they're supposed to be similar. Yeah, age. like fifties, dude. Like guys in their fifties, right? And then mm-hmm. I, I guess, like, I, I don't know. I guess the point of the movie, at least as I read it, is that this journey forces him to look at his past and his current self as others see it instead of like the fantasy that he's trying to build for himself inside his own mind. Yeah. Maybe, or, or he's going on, if it is like purgatory, which seems like maybe a pretty, I don't want to say obvious, but seems like a reasonable reading of it. It's just the struggle of having to go through this suffering in order to come out and find salvation on the other side. It's not supposed to be easy. Uh, Yeah. At, at different points during the movie, I wondered, is he a ghost? Are other people in this a ghost? Uh, for a while, I wondered if he was just uh, crazy and inventing his family, but other people then... Talk about it. Yeah, talk about it. So it's interesting in that, and again, I don't think there's a definitive answer, although it is, you know, purgatory. I mean, it's like, if it's not purgatory, it's like purgatory, some type of either punishment or journey of self-reflection and truth being told to yourself. But it's interesting because we have kind of a weird sequence where he just walks through the middle of the freeway. Mm-hmm. And like at first I'm like, oh, our car's just going to go through him. And this is where I'm wondering if he's a ghost. And like, but then someone throws something at him. <laughs> and that's, and I'm like, oh, I guess they can see him. Yeah, I mean, you know, to sort of put it in like a modern day thing, I guess is the first parts is like the first like couple houses he go to is his it's his Instagram right this is the life he projects mm-hmm. and then as we sort of like break through the facade and artifice of the whole thing you start to see what he actually is as a person and then he goes and... home to his 4chan posts <laughs> the, the, the darkest part of his soul I mean kind of right I mean yeah. no I'll buy it I'll, uh, I'll, I'll allow that analogy it it is it is but i mean i think i think that's what's interesting about it is do you think is he a bad guy or is he just or is is this him like is this is this uh, is this journey him like you know think finally gathering awareness of who he is i think it's more the latter it's him he had just built up an image to himself and now he's forced to see that maybe his family kind of sucks <laughs> or and that he's made some bad choices yeah like i i i thought it was meant to be read like he's just like an average guy you know okay and like maybe That's he's I... built up this this romantic fantasy about his place in his community um and the way people from his past must view him and he's forced to confront the idea that like he isn't perfect and not everyone looks at him as like this great guy that uh, they loved hanging around, and that was that he was a positive force in their history. Um, I, yeah, I think he. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, yeah. Doesn't he have some line? This stuff really comes out when he's um, with his ex girlfriend. His sorry, ex girlfriend. His, his um, mistress, Shirley. Shirley. Um, and sure. oh, and it's also worth noting that he Shirley he finds out. He's like, well, you were having a good time, and you and she's like, no, I kind of hated it. Yeah, so yeah, there's... that's that's a big thing, and like what he ultimately gets to is he's like, well, you 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 were having you 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 liked it, 
And it's like, no, yeah. she didn't, buddy. Uh, maybe what what this really is is a look at like what would purgatory be like for a full blown narcissist, and mm. and that his idea of his relationships with all of these people is that um, they like uh, loved it. <laughs> he literally set, calls himself like, what does he say? He says, this is the line, I'm a very special human being, noble and splendid. <laughs> yeah, which, yeah. like, especially heard out of context, you're like, uh, like, a listener's probably like, excuse me? Who talks like yeah. that? And, like, yeah. I don't know that a narcissist would say that, but, like, maybe that's what their sickness would kind of be whispering under its breath under, inside his own mind, right? Like it, I think it's if, what he, yeah, what he thinks of himself. Yeah, and so maybe it's just fu- like a full blown narcissist. Like, what if God could put a person like that through an experience that forced them to truly see what their impact on other people was like? And I think, like, I mean, we've all dealt with narcissists in our lives, probably. Like, I don't know the degree to which, but at least someone that was like had narcissistic tendencies. I think that's safe to say, right? Sure. And yeah. and like that's like the way people react to him. I think especially in the first half where people are just sort of like, oh, hey, man. And, and they're like polite. But you can see that they don't really want him around. Uh, that's kind of how I deal with people like that when I'm like forced to be around them. I think also about him that you sort of realize as the movie unfolds. And also even if you look back and rewatching it for the second time, even the experiences you know, even the beginning when everything is great, where it's his idolized version of him, he's got this like breadth of relationships, but no depth. Like even these people he sees at that first pool party, they're sort of like, "Oh, where have you been? Uh, yeah. You haven't been around." You know what I mean? In his mind, he's just like, "Well, I show up and I'm a big deal, but I don't really." I mean, this is the way I read this. He doesn't really put effort into those relationships to make them deep. They're just they are they are uh, check marks that he's checked off. To, to build who he wants to be. Oh, th- these people, like, I, I would imagine, like, if you're a narcissist or, I don't know, whatever's going on with this dude, like, uh, other human beings, uh, when you're not around them, they're just standing still waiting for you to come around. Yeah, and as we see with Shirley, he's just oblivious to how other people experience life and experience their relationship with him. That he thinks he's like, oh, ever everyone is just lucky to have me around and I'm such a fun guy and I'm a great guy. And he just slowly learns like, Oh, maybe not. What about when he's with the kid? Uh, I think that there's so sweetness to him there, not the babysitter. He wants to bang, but the, (laughs) the little kid, you know, where the kids swim through the empty pool. Yeah. And the kid's like, I'm not a good swimmer and I'm bad at sports and school. Nobody wants you on my team. And he says like, you know, you're, was he say like you're the uh, captain of your soul? Yeah, and, uh, that's right. I put that in my notes. You are the captain of your soul. Yeah, yeah. It's a sweet moment. I feel like from Ned when he when you know he's starting to really go through it. Maybe he sees something of him of himself in that kid, and sort of his behavior and like you know psychological issues are like stem from him coping with being a, a kid that felt like a misfit or felt left out. Yeah. You know, even if you, if we kind of trace out a little farther, that kid's by himself, his parents left him there. And I think we find out when he meets, what's the name of his wife? Cause he names the, 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 the um, Cassandra or something. He Lucinda. Names... I Lucinda. Think. Is there a Lucinda? 
don't know. It's something like that. He names the entire Lucinda. Yeah, Lucinda. Uh, when we learn how he met her, it's like he was on a cruise and he was in steerage and she was in first class. So he even, you know, sort of married into this world. Yeah. He wasn't um, born into it. <laughs> He's might, a Barry Lyndon type. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Might, might. Yeah, he well, yeah, he's a himbo, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't make that connection until you mentioned like the class thing with his wife. But yeah, you're right. He's like Barry Lyndon, just kind of like <laughs> charmed his way into this affluence, but mm-hmm. doesn't actually have any like skills or talent or things of meaning. Yeah, like I said, the movie. I think last week we talked about the movie poster. This movie is when you talk about the swimmer, will you talk about yourself? Joe, you, I think this is your note here about uh, Ned here. It's when the, the rose-colored glasses are stripped away. Yeah, I, I guess I just thought saw this movie as a good choice for what we're talking about because I thought, at least in my experience, it's, it seems like this is a prom- pretty common thing for people in middle age. Is it, like It's sort of natural to look back. And, like, how are you going to cope with the things that you regret? And and we've talked about that already with, with the other mm-hmm. movies we've, we've talked about or we talked about already, right? Um, and it's it almost seems like one coping mechanism is to just completely to, – to, to completely deny anything from your past that could possibly be construed as negative. Like, I've never hurt anyone. Everything was great all the time. Um, I was the coolest dude around. I mean, almost, I guess, like a cousin to people that never stopped talking about how great high school was. Yeah. And and yeah. whenever I hear people talking about that, I, like I always like wonder, like, man, man <laughs> it probably wasn't really near. Obviously, it wasn't nearly as great as you think it was. And like, and even if it was as great as it, as you're saying it was, that probably means that you were really mean to other people. Right. I'm kind of weary of anyone who can say that about like any period in their in their life. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's some obvious exceptions. Like if you have, you know, if you lost a loved one in an accident or something, and people are like, oh, this was the greatest part of my life. Like I'm always immediately suspect of those people because I think it's it's just it doesn't matter if it's high school or college or oh when I was doing this. Like it's always. I always feel like it's a weird compartmentalization thing. And, and it, it seems like I, I, what I find odd about it is like, I can't think of any stage from my past that I don't view with at least mild embarrassment because, because yeah. I'm constantly I, feel like I'm getting a little bit, I don't think smarter is the right word, but well, I mean, I think, I think if you're wiser and more mature, know, right. Right. You're, tr- you're trying to, that you are aware that becoming your best self is a process that you continue to work on. Yeah. So, yeah. so all I see is, is, um, not failed attempts, but like relative to now, a failure to fully, to, 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 to fully be able to appreciate or to fully be the best person I could be to everyone that I was in relation. And I don't just mean romantic, but relationships of all kinds or, or work or anything. It's like, Oh, like in all of those ways, I was worse, worse at all of those things than I am now. So I, I, Mm -hmm. it's just very strange to me to to like, to see people thinking like, Oh, like my twenties were the best years of my life. And it's like, why? 
like when you're talking about a period in your life that you look back on part like particularly fondly like it it like it the gr- the greatness of it is only in relation to other periods of your life that were more of a struggle and mm-hmm. i i it it doesn't seem like when people talk about like the best years of their lives they mean it in that way i guess it it, it seems like largely like more superficial than that i don't remember who said it i want to say it was barbara Ehrenreich Ehrenreich who died a little while ago if it wasn't her it's something it sounds like what she would have said it was someone wrote this article talking about how uh America's obsession with like feeling good and optimism is actually just kind of killing us and they talked about how dumb the whole oh no regrets mentality is and they said it no regrets means no learning yes oh that's Mm. brilliant that's good yeah if you if you hear someone who's like, oh, I don't have any regrets, again, that is immediately suspect. If you don't have the self-insight to look at even happy, great periods of your life, I'm like, ah, oh, like Joe said, like, ah, oh, that was cringy, or oh, I, I wasn't as nice to this person, or any number of things. Like, if you don't have that, it just, it shows that you have not, you need to do some work on yourself. Is, so in The Swimmer, do you think Ned is finally confronting that in this movie i think he's being forced to yeah yeah, i think he's finally forced to look at maybe things he wasn't great at or things that weren't as great just beyond his control maybe maybe his kids were going to be awful no matter what i mean i think you know this is mid-age midlife crisis but i think you know maybe we've discussed this before pre-midlife is easier in my mind because there's like it's so goal-oriented right it's like oh i'm going to do well in high school so I can go to college and then I'm going to go to a good college and I'm going to meet people and graduate and then I'm going to meet a person and then I'm going to, you know, marry that person and have a home and have a child or like whatever. Like there's sort of goal oriented things. Even in your career, you're going to move up. But like then you hit Ned's age and our age and you're suddenly like, well, what's the next thing? And sometimes so, then there's no next thing. Sometimes it's like you just do this. See that, or even that in I, your career, you're just like, yeah, you've hit the top. You just keep doing this until you retire. Now, yeah, I don't know. I I don't relate to that at all. Like I I I've never like there hasn't been a single point in my life where like the like sort of goal orientation of the future has been any less powerful for me. Would you say that that's the default for society, though? I, I like say it's that, default for me. I'm definitely, I definitely, it's, it's definitely to that. how you're raised, yeah. especially for you know, it's like, well, after high school you go to college, and after college you get a job, and you're, at some point you're supposed to marry and have kids, sure. and right. Yeah. But I, 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 and and I had some of those goals as well. But what happens when I, I think I, well, I don't want to be presumptuous about whether I'm right, but I, I guess like off the top of my head here it just seems like what what should happen ideally is that you become no less goal oriented but your goals should should become increasingly less superficial uh, through being informed that some of those goals you just mentioned like aren't really in hindsight all that meaningful like like the process of figuring out what makes you happy and feel fulfilled it, it happens starts when you're a kid and finding your like your way well you know getting through that a good portion of that journey when you're in school and high school and college is more important than like whether you got i don't know a 3.8 or a 2.8 but 
but I guess my thought is when you are going like having these this this task list of things to do in your life allows you to concentrate on that instead of what makes you happy. Uh, yeah, no, I th- I, th- I agree that with that. Uh, I guess that's what I'm. Ned, I guess we're kind of saying the same thing. Yeah. What I'm saying and is then that you get to Ned's point, and now suddenly you're like, well, <laughs> I guess I, you know, I mean, I don't think he's purposely saying I'm looking back, but in this movie, he's being forced to. You sort of like all of a sudden, you know, in a weird way, this is sort of like a a Christmas Carol, right? All of a sudden, he's got to deal with his past and everything he's done, you know, previously, even though he may not want to. This is a different way of sort of like forcing him to look upon what he has become and what he has done to people the wake he left to get to what he is now yeah or, or just kind of or just kind of the company he keeps because yeah there's m- that too yeah like most of these people uh, are vapid yeah uh, you know i mean his his mistress has some depth to her and obviously the kid and probably the person who was his babysitter but you know most of these parties he goes to these people these are bad people or just are not bad people but they're him they're yeah they're him yeah and i i i guess like that's yeah i guess kind of maybe rob and i are taking different routes to get to the same place it's that like your your goal oriented behavior like if if you don't work on yourself enough then you run out of like the more superficial things to strive towards and then there's nothing left whereas if you, you just have you just create new joneses to keep up yeah, with yeah yeah and if you're if you're aging shoot and 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 I'll probably be like in 10 years I'll probably go back well I won't but I could go back and listen to this <laughs> I'd be really embarrassed by saying it but that's sort of my our, our point right is like you should be mildly embarrassed by a lot of the things you think and 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 said when you were younger because like like Duff said, like, the whole point of life is, like, you're supposed to keep learning. So yeah, I'll probably maybe. have a better answer for this in 10 years. But it just seems to me that ideally, like, middle age is the point where you should have figured out to set goals that are more truly meaningful to your true and honest self. Because, like, by now you should kind of be settling in to having a sense of self-awareness that's pretty firm. That doesn't mean unchanging, but firm. And like, I don't think you really know who you are when you're like 28 or maybe, maybe like maybe in your 30s, you kind of start to figure it out. But like this dude, like just seems uh, like utterly devoid of having given thought to how to what to move towards in his life beyond anything, beyond anything that what Rob mentioned earlier, house, marriage. He's he's simple. Yeah, he's He's simple. He's He's shallow. He's an Instagram profile. Yeah. And, and, and I guess like, that's where Rob and you and I are on the same page here is like, I, I, I don't know if, I don't think you meant to say this, but like midlife isn't when you're, you look around and you're like, I don't, I don't have any goals left. Like, I, I guess my point is like, well, you should, they should just be different kinds of goals. Like my, my goals right. now, it's just like, well, now I, I have this career and I have a family and, and a house and all that stuff and education, like you mentioned. And now it's like, okay, so, like, what are my, like, spiritual goals now? And that I don't think you really can take an honest appraising of when you're young. Because you don't know enough yet. I don't know. Or maybe some people do. Maybe maybe I just didn't. And I I don't mean soul in the religious sense, but you know what I mean? Like, what what your Mm -hmm. true interior self needs. How do you fill your buckets? Yeah. and, 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 like for me i don't know like part of it is like like trying to find 
like uh, balance, I guess, right? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I don't have all the answers for that either, but I, to, to my defense, I'm not as old as Burt Lancaster is in this movie, so I've got time to figure that out. No, at least I know. Sure. At least I know <laughs> that, it, that that you know I, I'm in that inside of that process right now. He he sure. I hope I look like Burt Lancaster when I'm 52. Uh, just I'll say that one percent body fat, just a man. Just a, <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking just of, carved carved off a hunk of marble. I guess my my answer to that is like I hope I don't really care that much. Mm. You know, I still want to look like. Bert well, Lancaster sure, yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, I guess that would be a sign that that I've probably like can, you know lived a healthy life and stuff, or or I'm incredibly vain. That's my the, the other side of that coin, right? I don't know. Can I ask a question? We're all we all were thinking in that movie. Um. Uh. Yeah. I'm not. Is sure. he? Is he does is is <laughs> do they pack that swimsuit or is he just a or is he just a shower? Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay. I mean, my from what I know of movie stars, um, yeah, I wouldn't put it past them or or anybody, okay. anybody, I guess, <laughs> right? Look, yeah. If I was yeah. gonna make a movie and I knew that the entire movie, just, the entire movie, yeah. Wait, he was born in 1913. This movie came out in 1968, so he was, yeah, he was older than 55. Yeah. Wow, he he was ready for ARP. Well, he was a great athlete, you know, like yeah. And, and I guess if you're he was go- a he was a circus performer, but he didn't know how to swim. He had to learn how to yeah. swim for the movie. Yeah, I know, but like still, I, I okay. guess more talking about like his physical right, makeup. It's right. just like if you're already like go into Hollywood already a great athlete, and you're going into a career where like your looks are so important i mean he's that's probably sort of answers like well he had to keep working at it his whole life well of course if you also he was in hollywood in that time period so on the other side of the coin is he probably smoked like five packs a day too i don't know if he did but um joe i think uh you mentioned that you think this is uh, underrated 60s movie is that what i heard you say yeah i mean like i'm watching it and and i'm like well this this is like part and parcel like what people talk about when they when they talk about sort of the encroaching of like a more european influence on storytelling in hollywood but i never hear talk people discuss it as an accident like if i if and i thought i found some like parallels between this and the graduate joe i think this fits snugly with the with like the graduate and bonnie and clyde there's some things in the first half that are like very of that era it felt kind of like blow up the uh yeah An- oh yeah antonioni movie yeah 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 yeah. i see that at all um, um i thought the second half was much stronger than the first i i I thought this was very interesting. Um, uh, I thought it really nailed the ending. I wasn't as into the first part, but yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, it's something that had never really, I hadn't heard it talked about at all. It The production was a nightmare. They brought in um, Frank Perry to direct it. He's the listed director. Katy Perry's uncle. For real? Yes. Oh, really? Yep. I had no idea. Did you? And did you look up uh his wikipedia he has the funniest photo yes yes great i did i did uh so i don't know if you guys know this or if you read this far but you know it sort of fell apart and they had to bring in a uh, young director to kind of shoot some new scenes and fix up do you guys know who it was Uh, sydney pollock it was bert's friends like hey i know a guy yeah 
Uh, and so he shot several transitions and scenes. They replaced different actors. Uh, and so it's interesting to watch when you think of, like, is this Sidney Pollock's, like, like this is, like, his training ground for, like, his career he would end, end up eventually having. Yeah. Because, like, he does – they shoot horses, don't they, shortly afterwards. This movie is a real – there are things that work really well, and there's things where I'm like, boy, I don't know. this Like, I don't love the, like – babysitter scenes i think this one would be stronger without so much of them but i i think the babysitter scene and i wasn't as wild about like there are scenes where he's just like running and it's kind of in slow motion and it's very stylized and it's very of the period and i it didn't really do it for me i i guess I, i i didn't mind the babysitter scenes because i i think like the way he interacts with her is so revealing of the way guys like him think about themselves it's like american beauty 40 years beforehand Uh, but but like i I don't not in as like it's not to say it's not predatory but i think the point of it i don't think american beauty has a point whereas i think that this one does like i think in in this movie the point is that like we're meant to be like aghast and ridiculing the 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 very notion that this dude thinks he can have any kind of relationship with that young woman like mm-hmm. like he every interaction and, and like thing he says to her is like of course she would want to do this why wouldn't she and then the audience is like you're 35 years older than her right <laughs> what and, and like a that's just be and that's not even to mention just how unbelievably like creepy and predatory it is but but like i think that that's kind of like the way a lot of like narcissistic dudes like think about themselves it's just like it doesn't matter that i'm 55 like why wouldn't she want me overall in the movie there's sort of like a momentum in it and that sequence both on the first watch and on the second watch just sort of like halts the momentum a little bit for me um but then there's excellent scenes and i think Sidney pollock reshot the scene with shirley with a different actress and that scene is incredible i think with him and with uh uh, Ned and his mistress Shirley going back and forth and like she keeps moving spots and walking around yeah. like all, how it's staged everything about that sequence I thought was incredible yeah yeah I thought that was really good um, um uh we had teased in our cold open about this um re- connecting to another movie we've talked about in our show and we talked, mentioned a little bit about the graduate, but like I, Joe, I, I'm a big fan of this. Is this your theory? Um, the the graduate thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that they, Ned is the the older version of the uh, Ben Braddock from the Graduate. Yeah, it just seems like you know the Graduate's over, and I I. I lots of people read it this way and i i agree is he's immediately just like what what they're both of them on the boss are like what have we <laughs> done and like i i don't really i i i mean i've already talked about it but i like overall like really don't like the graduate very much and the older mm-hmm. i get the more i hate it um and, and but i i do think like okay if we think about this movie paired with that one like and 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 also what we know about boomers like um, like that sort of 60s rejection of their parents' lifestyle um, about 10, 10, 15 years later, they all just totally, completely embrace it. In fact, maybe go beyond like 
their parents embrace of suburbia right mm-hmm. yeah and, just once they get a little bit of money they just immediately regress so it, it sort of seems to me like that same sort of crisis of identity that ben has when he's graduating from college i could see him in his mid-50s like over the span of that time in what was likely a probably pretty unhappy marriage based on how that movie ends like Mm -hmm. cultivating uh a sort of (laughs) um ability to live in utter and total denial about everything he's done and the people he's done it to and i also think like that movie is pretty good evidence that that ben is not a very nice person and doesn't treat women well Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, if the, if someone told me like, oh, this the swimmer is just meant to be Ben in his fifties, I think I, I immediately I I think absolutely it's exactly how he um, what would happen if you forced Ben to like actually take an honest look at at his past. I th- I think that's brilliant. I love it. I love the idea of connecting those two movies. I think it works really well. It's the same sort of. Uh, class of people you're you're dealing with too yeah yeah like he, he pe- still lived in his hometown <laughs> yeah the the people in both movies kind of the beside the main characters they seem very similar in terms of the the company that's kept the, the graduate in the summer would be a fantastic double feature and i you know definitely think one is a lot better than the other one <laughs> yeah but i do like the swimmer better than the graduate uh yeah i do too i do too um. Well, it's time to look internally, guys. Yes. Do you see any elements of your own life with um with old Ned here? God, I hope his, not, uh, man. Swimming journey. God, I hope not. I have one that I will that's uh, I will bring out. Okay. Um, this is a little different, and I understand this movie is more of like a parable and doesn't. But you li- let me go on. I was I was uh back home recently. And uh, I uh, drove around uh, to some areas I grew up in. And so I always talk about Spooner a lot on here. But my first six or seven years of my life were in this very, very, very small, unincorporated town off a highway that was like 13 miles or so west of Spooner. Was it a militia? (laughs) No, it was not a militia. So I went back to it last week. And when was the last time you'd been there? A long time. Like when you were a kid? Like, had you been there? Oh as an adult? no, probably since then. I mean, I but this is my first time, like, actually sitting there and like looking. Yeah, and it's all abandoned, all of it. The 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 first home it was just connected to a bar. A bar has been closed for years, uh, abandoned. Across the street was a home. As far as I could tell, no one lives there. It's just overgrown with with trees and like everything is just like I it, like and I'm like I felt a hundred years old, guys. I was like, oh my god, everything. My first like, my first like through second grade of my life is just abandoned buildings now. Yeah, a lot of so, a lot of northern Wisconsin is is like that. Yeah, I mean the the one two punch of uh, the recession and the pandemic really took a lot out. Um, yeah, so when, like, I mean, I know it's a little different, but so when, when Ned comes back to his abandoned home, uh, I kind of felt that a little bit when I rewatched it after a few days going back to, like, the first three locations I lived at and being like, oh, this is just abandoned in, in disrepair buildings now. 
Yeah, it, I guess it, it's like maybe, and I'm not saying you did this because, like you've even said, it's not the same thing. But it's it's like if you if you root your life and your happiness in like material things and and like I guess houses and tennis courts and things like that qualify, like it, it, decay of those things is inevitable. And yeah, um, yeah. I, I, so I, I guess kind of what 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 links those two things together is like a it forces you to reckon with the march of time, which sure, is, you know, a lot about what middle age is, is coming to terms with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's depressing. So that's, yeah, that's my connection to it. I don't know if you guys have anything with the swimmer. You don't have to, obviously. Uh, I don't. So I don't really identify personally with it because uh, I just, because of my, awful broken brain have always been too introspective too in my head like even from like as a little kid uh so it's in some ways i feel like i've always tried to be less introspective like tried to find a balance yeah if that makes sense no it makes a lot of sense uh appropriate not really connected to anything um but one thing uh one thing i'll recommend that maybe rob has seen uh is there's a very early episode of the twilight zone called walking distance which does which has kind of a lot of these same things it's this guy like goes back in time to visit his hometown and the lesson is that you know you can't go home again but it's very it's not quite as bleak as the swimmer but it's it's it hits a lot of the same points I have not seen that one. I I will add it to my list of many uh, Twilight Zone episodes that I've slowly been going through. I I guess the one thing I'll say is like, you know, I you know I've read that the more times you remember something, the more distorted that memory becomes. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. and and so like this movie made me think about how you know I I think about like regrets I have with with other people that like aren't in my life anymore, which I think. Well, most people have at least some of those, whether it's friends or family or thing. romantic partners or whatever. And like watching the like the main characters' experiences of like encountering these these people from his past, large not all women, but largely women, and and sort of like being confronted with the, their memory uh, of what their experience was and how you know how much in, that was in contrast to like his memories of it. Um, it, 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 I guess it just sort of made me wonder, like, huh, I like, I wonder how out of line, like how disconnected my memories of these events from my past are from the other people who were a part of those memories. Um, and, and I, I don't, I, I think I'm significantly more like self-critical than that character is, which is good, but, um, but still like, I, I just, it, 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 I just thought it was like kind of a, a, fascinating thing to think about i don't know that it necessarily is something that can lead to any kind of action or anything but it just it's sort of just a reminder that when you look back at your past with friends family girlfriends boyfriends whatever like it's just a reminder that the way you remember that experience is probably maybe possibly significantly different from the way that they remember it and I just sort of think that's a fascinating part of the human experience. Right. There's no yeah. there's no objective reality. No. And it's always filtered through 
people and memories and yeah it's just odd right because it's like it happened so like why why can't we just like remember it as it was i don't know it yeah it, it's just a it's a fascinating part of the human condition to me but i, I that's 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 it um as we sort of finish up let's um quickly talk about burt lancaster we've talked about him a little bit is there a um burt lancaster movie or story or fact about him that you'd want to share with our listeners that you would be like this you should watch this burt lancaster movie or sweet smell of success that's a good pick yeah Um, yep judgment at nuremberg yeah i haven't seen that in forever but i know he's really good in that and i think the well the the iconic uh the iconic thing most people I would say from here to eternity is yeah him rolling around the beach. I've never seen that movie. I know I saw it and I, I want to say I don't think it's a great movie overall. It has a great cast, but it's it, got Montgomery Clift. You know who I love. It's got got Ernest Borgnine, uh, mm-hmm. Sinatra. Sinatra, yeah. And I don't know. I haven't seen it in a very long time, but I mean that is the. I feel like that's oh from here to eternity is like that was a huge movie at the time. Uh, the Killers is a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was one of his first ones. Um, he is, we talked about this already, but I thought he was uh, more in line with that kind of like method actor, like the Brando James Dean generation. But like he was in World War II and prior to that he was a, he was in the circus. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say my two young and old versions of not that young, I guess. Coming on the leopard, yeah, the Italian film. That's like so. Whenever we we do this, especially like with people with long careers, there's always at least one movie where I'm just so frustrated that, like, you know, you, you mentioned what movie did you mention earlier that's been on your list forever? Oh, um, they shoot horses, don't they? Yeah, they shoot horses, and like, don't they? Yeah, and I just get so frustrated. It's like, God, I've been like wanting to watch the leopard for like 20 years, and it's just, I mean, like, it's three hours. Know, that's the problem, know, right? You gotta be like, three hours. I, I've done all kinds of wasted my all kinds of three hour segments in my life, and it's just like frustrating. It's like, ugh, why couldn't I have just gotten around to watching that before we recorded this? Because it seems to tick off pretty much every box of a movie that I would love. Plus, it, it's just like wild to me that Burt Lancaster was star- starred in it in that like right. Italian movie playing an, an Italian, Italian guy. movie. But yeah, the like, other that's an, that's something I was going to mention that this is uh, for a, a star of his. You know, even at this point, like he was starting to get on in years, like he had been acting for a good 20 years at this point. And to do something like this, that's kind of a risk and wasn't, you know, I think it had a little bit of a success at first, but it's kind of a, it became a cult film. Yeah, it kind of like like you, you see movie stars do this a lot now and have seen movie stars do this for a pretty long time. Just be like, I just want to work with that director. I don't care. Yeah. And like he talks like the way he talks about Visconti, it's it just so reverent. Right. And mm-hmm. and uh, I, I guess I don't know enough about movie history to know, like, we're, we're a lot of movie stars doing that at that point. It, mm, it doesn't seem no, like not either. Not in 1960. Yeah. I don't really think a lot of movie stars really even could. Right. Because like the studio sort of like basically owned them. Yeah. That was for the very under the studio system but yeah if you usually if you were a big star doing a movie like that it was your last resort like it's when you know it's like what's my time in hollywood yeah like yeah or, or you know uh i was gonna say like oh i'm gonna go make some cheap movies in europe and just to keep working 
The uh, the other Lancaster movie I want to bring up, another European director, is Atlantic City. You can see an older Lancaster in this. You can also see a, a young Susan Sarandon washing her uh, self with lemons. Um, <laughs> okay. I was a fan of. Okay. Like she just squeezes lemons out over herself? Squeezing lemon juice on her melons. Yep. So that's... Thank, thank you, Rob. <laughs> That's a What's good, that, Joe? That's a good I knew you'd you'd come through for us to like be, yeah. yeah. Well that's an anagram for lemon is melon. It's a fun fact for any of scoring at home. The more you know. Yep. <laughs> but that really just shows how long of a career that dude had. They're like he started in the nineteen forties. He's in Field of it, Dreams. Yeah. yeah, he's in Field of Dreams. Made, yeah. Made it, made it up to movies with Kevin Costner and Susan Sarandon. Yeah, yeah. That's a great point. Um Joe, what's next? We're talking, okay, so this one I'm really curious about, but um, we're going to, I wanted to make sure that we got, you know, a few, we're sure to get at least a couple movies about guy, men, a couple movies about women. So, and and -hmm. for this one, I wanted to make sure we got someone, something about someone like sort of entering middle age, but being in denial about it. And there Mm -hmm. we have young adult. Uh, Charlie Theron signed or signed excuse what am I talking about uh, directed by one of my mortal nemesis uh, <laughs> Jason Reitman. so I I have a feeling that there's going to be opinions because not only Jason Reitman we got Diablo Cody wrote this she always she always sparks debate yeah that's right she did write this and I liked this movie when it came out and it didn't even come out that long ago but I just I, my my spidey sense is tingling I know I saw it, and I think I liked it, too. Um, yeah, it's been forever, so I'm also, excited to revisit it. Also, this is uh, n- not an actual Minnesota movie, but takes place in Minnesota. That's so right. I maybe I'll take it to task over that. Uh, real listeners can also anticipate a few takes I have about young adult literature. Oh, no. She is a oh, young no. adult lit author. This, this and we'll get into this next week. There is, is are very few communities online more vicious than that one. So this might, maybe we can finally uh, get people oh, mad enough get... where our show goes viral and we can get some more listeners that way. Man, <laughs> it's like them, them and the I'm blanking on it now. The like the K-pop fans, those oh, those yeah. two groups. Oh man, they will just own you. And Taylor Swift yeah. fans. I mean, listen. don't cross any of them. I'm with you, Swifties. I'm with you. Uh, okay, well, uh, listeners, thanks so much for uh, you know listening to us talk about a movie you probably haven't heard of, but you should check out. And if you even don't check it out, check out the short story. It will take you 15 minutes, and uh, I think you will enjoy it and get a lot of the uh, what we talked about in the movie. And then, of course, if you're like, guys, you know love your content i'm all caught up what could i possibly do get the credit card out get the credit card out you can go to patreon.com slash the midnight boys you could pay two dollars that's all and you'll get 46 new episodes to listen to i mean that's a deal i feel like billy myers here (laughs) you're not you're not yelling enough but other than that yeah Yeah. or billy may do you mean billy mays billy mays (laughs) billy myers Billy Myers guy. sounds like a reliever that got cut Is by the Billy Royals. Billy Myers, and... the guy from King of Kong. No, that's uh, no, Billy... It's Billy Mitchell. Billy Mitchell. Billy, Billy Mitchell. Myers God. is a guy that like blew three saves for the Royals in 1986 Shoot. and then got released or something. I don't know. All these damn silly Billies, <laughs> all mixed up in my head. Literal silly Billies. 
yeah, so you go to patreon.com slash the midnight boys, and we will be back uh, next week with our fourth episode on Young Adult. Yeah.